and welcome to Once Upon a Nightmare. I am your host, Lorraine Purden, and this is a little movie review I'm going to do. Now, I know my episodes at the moment are tending to take quite a true crime vibe to them. And while this movie does have the whole Ed Gein association, I did mention that in the 1974 version of this film that I chatted about a couple of months ago. But this is, of course, the 2022 version, and that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, Harlow is a ghost town. We have a vision for this place. All it needs is young blood. I don't want to live here. This is a chance for people to start fresh somewhere. Somewhere safe. Hey, guys. You should see this. What are you doing in our house? We really shouldn't be here. This is hardesty. Sally? I'm afraid your old friend's back. Fifty years I've been waiting for this night. Just to see him again. Who? that he wants. I'm not going to let him kill you. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. Try anything in your cancel, bro. Texas Chainsaw Massacre was directed by David Blue Garcia and screenplay by Chris Thomas Devlin. After nearly 50 years of hiding, Leatherface returns to terrorize a group of idealistic young friends who accidentally disrupt his carefully shielded world in a remote Texas town. Yes, I did take that from IMDb. And this is going to be a very spoilerific episode. So if you haven't seen it, pop on over to Netflix, have a wee watch and then come back. Straight off the bat, this movie has a vibe that I associate with a lot of horror films that have young people in them. I do not like them. These young adults, not very appealing. And this group is no different. This group consists of Melody, Dante, Lila and Ruth. They all take a road trip and head to the abandoned town of Harlow in Texas. Believing the town is empty, they plan to turn this place into some sort of trendy spot by auctioning off old properties. But things are never that simple. And while exploring, they find an elderly lady, Ginny who lives with a mysterious man who they see at the top of the stairs. She argues with him about the property still being hers. The stress is too much and this causes a heart attack. So the man, along with Ruth and the police, drive her to hospital. But unfortunately, she dies on the way. And the man, who we soon realise to be Leatherface, well, let's just say he doesn't take it very well. So after 50 years, Leatherface is up to his old tricks. And I have to say, he still has quite the spring in his step after such a long time. Once we meet this old man at first, he's very calm, he's very quiet, he doesn't really do much, but about 17 minutes in, we see that he's in fact back to his old ways. In fact, this film shows he is back to his old ways and then some. I have to say, 
This movie's a lot gorier than I remember the others being. But to be honest with you, I only fully remember the first one. And I haven't seen them all, but the ones I have seen, I don't really remember. So after this 50-year hiatus, he's got some catching up to do. And the death of Ginny, I feel like that triggered it. She owned this orphanage. And when that obviously shut down, because there's nobody else there, she decided to take care of him and keep him. So, you know, she's that one constant in his life. And now that's gone, all bets are off. And I guess in this version, he now kills when he wants his own rules with no one to tell him off, no one to tell him what to do. But one, but I think one of the major things that was missing from this movie is the element of family. Now, Leatherface and his family, as weird as they were, as strange as they were, as murderous as they were, you know, it was quite a unique selling point, you know, with the original, with all of them involved. Now, there was a point with one character that I was a bit confused about, to what he was to Leatherface, and that was the hot mechanic, Richard. He is in the town, he has a garage in the town, and if he isn't associated with him, it kind of made no sense why he was there, but maybe it's just cheap property, I don't know. And the fact that he was still alive, you kind of wonder, you know, why Leatherface hadn't killed him, but then he'd calmed down, maybe. Ginny had calmed him down, and he'd given up. So as I said, about 17 minutes in, this is when we, you know, start to see it all happening after um, Ginny dies. So when she dies, he gets very upset and he snaps the arm in half of one of the guys in the back with him and uh, stabs him with it. Yes, he does. And this causes the, uh, the thing to crash. So Ruth does manage, though, to let Melody know that Ginny has unfortunately died and Straight away, we've got someone who seems to have a bit of sense. And, you know, usually they don't, (laughs) but she seems to have some sense. And she's like, no, this isn't right. Let's get out of here. And she wants to go. She cops on something really isn't good. And she tries to get her sister and herself to leave. Now, while all this is going on, we know Ruth is obviously in a spot of bother as she's now trapped in a van with what we think Well, two people are dead and while Leatherface, you know, is busy, she's trying to figure out a way to go. And when I say he's busy, he's taking the old face off a Ginny because Leatherface needs his mask. And you really do feel for Ruth at this because it seems like an eternity that she sat still buckled in as she like tries to figure out a way to leave to get out this van as it seems you know, she can now see what this man is capable of. She's seen him kill the the guy with the stabby in the neck. He's, she's watching him through the rearview mirror take this face off. And, um, you know, needless to say, it's only a matter of time after he's bashed in the head of the other guy and she's trying to escape that he gets her and uh, stabby, stabby, unfortunately, with a knife. So back in this lovely town of Harlow, a bus of very young potential buyers arrive to kind of help make this town become what it is that they're all trying to do. And their plans to leave for Melody don't happen. So Melody, you know, realizing that she needs to go, Richard won't let her go because he's kind of got this whole thing where you killed Ginny because you gave her this heart attack. And he wants them to prove that they have the deeds, but they don't have them with them. So he's got the keys. They can't go. It's all going to go crazy. So with all the panic going on, we also have what I felt was one of the most wasted opportunities in a film, and that was the return of Sally Hardesty. Now, 
This wasn't, of course, played by the great Marilyn Burns, who was in the original, because she unfortunately passed away in 2014. But it was played by an Alwyn Fuel. I don't know if that's how you say it. Now, don't get me wrong. She looked the part. She played the part she was given. But it kind of ended before it really began. I was kind of expecting this whole kind of Laurie Strode 2018 vibe mixed with a bit of Sarah Connor. But it turned out, you know, as she turned up to take on Leatherface to get, you know, get him back for what he did to her and his friends, it was a bit meh. So as she's making her way back, we have one of the next main characters who kind of bite the bullet, and that is Dante. And I feel like this bit is a little nod to the first one when Mark dies as the way he's at a door. Now, it's not that slidey door that we see, you know, the metal door that he slides over. Um, it's another one, but it all happens at a door as he batters in on the head. So Melody is in the house and she starts to hide when this goes on. And um, Leatherface, while this is all happening, realizes that if he's going to continue his murderous ways, he needs his best friend. And that is, of course, his chainsaw, which has been hiding in the wall for many years. Reunited and it feels so good. So while he's getting reacquainted, good old Dante, he has not quite died and he heads out to try and get some help. But, you know, he doesn't make it. But at least he does alert others that something isn't going on because he's so messed up. Everyone knows things aren't good. And this, though, is when it becomes very clear that the mechanic isn't in on it because he's just there with his garage. And, you know, like I said, you feel he should be dead. And this shows. This, does, this is the part that does show, because he's not dead, that you feel like Ginny did tame him. He hasn't been up to no good for all these years. But the result of his death, and he, the result of her death, excuse me, is like, he's like, what's the point? Might as well go back to it. So the mechanic on seeing the state of Dante, he's like, I've got to go check this out. And he's going upstairs, and he does look absolutely terrified. So again, you can tell that he hasn't a clue what is going on. And as he's doing this, Leatherface has put his chainsaw there, Melody, bless her, hiding under the bed, can see it. He's trying to start it. Doesn't happen. But, you know, unfortunately, Leatherface, he's a pretty big bloke and he soon overpowers Richer. And, you know, bless him. He really does all he can to try and save Melody. So when he falls, he sees she's under the bed and, you know, he gets her the keys back. So he's kind of like a decent lad. But then he gets his head properly battered in. And this is where the gore fest comes in. You see it. You see. I mean, it's not constant what you see, but... You see enough. And I think this scene with Melody in the house is really one of the only ones that kept me on my toes a bit as you wait for her to try and get free. We have, you know, we have seen what happened to Richard and Dante and Ruth and the guys in the van. Um, and, you know, it all goes in under the house. We know that she's still in there. We don't quite know where he is. And the way she's like, you know, because she's timing it, isn't she? She's like timing it to get out at the right time so he doesn't hear her. And also, it's a very old, old house. So you're obviously worried about making noises and floorboards creaking. And she's tiptoeing out there so quietly. But the way the stairs is, she has to kind of walk further along to come down the stairs. So she does something that I wouldn't have thought of in a million years. She climbs over the banister and gets down like that. Now, to be fair to her, she does jump and kind of land very quietly on the stairs. But as she looks up, he's just kind of staring at her. And I really felt her fear in this. And it was the only moment that I actually really did properly feel for anyone. And she gave us that something to root for. Because at that moment, while she was the one I actually disliked the most, I have to be honest at the start, at that moment, you really kind of like were rooting for her to get out and to do it quietly. 
so, you know, obviously he comes along and he nails her with something. He throws something at her. Is it an axe? I can't remember what it was. But he, you know, she goes through the floorboards and he's trying to get her. But she does luckily, luckily manage to get out because it's really intense, intense as that. She, like, because she's in under the floor, but it's not that much space. So if the chainsaw had got her, it would have actually really got her because he had it going through the floors. But the next scene, it's one of the goriest scenes I've seen in film that I can think of off the top of my head. A really big death count. And that is, that is of course, the bus scene. Plus, this scene really shows us we're now in a different age. So Leatherface makes a play for the bus with his chainsaw. Now, there's nowhere to go when he gets on. Like I, Because you know the way sometimes with buses, they have that back door, but there mustn't have been one in this because nobody's, nobody's getting out of it. And he's there with his mask on and his chainsaw. And of course, the phones come up and they start streaming it. And you're like, you idiots. And it's funny because you can see the comments and people are like, I want to go there. This looks so fake. And you're just like, Jesus. And then he just starts one by one making his way through the bus. And I think the problem is with a chainsaw, like if it would have been a knife, you know, you could have gone. You, you might have been able to get away. Why? Because obviously stabbing takes a bit. I presume it takes a bit longer. I mean, I'm no expert in this. But with a chainsaw, just waving it around, you're going to get someone. I mean, at one point he goes through some guy with a chainsaw and he pushes him against another person and it goes through. I mean, this, you know, but I think I read somewhere there apparently, or maybe I heard it in another podcast, but apparently killing someone with a chainsaw is meant to be really difficult. I think I heard that in another podcast, but I have to admit, I really did enjoy this scene. I really did enjoy this scene. I thought it was brilliant, but it was so far removed from the original, you know, even in the original, like the chainsaw is not the main weapon apart from he only really uses it on Franklin. And the character from the original was very different to this one. Yes, he murdered, but I don't know, the 1974 version, he felt more like, I don't know, for you to have a better term, a kid. Like he was a lot younger, but you know, you felt, you kind of felt like he started something and couldn't stop, but he knew like something was a bit wrong about what he was doing. You know, like when a kid almost messes up and they know they've messed up, but they can't help themselves. And after we see him kill Jerry, he's like frantically running through the house to make sure like no one else has come in and he's grunting away and he's like panicking and he's so flustered and the kills are very quick within the home, apart from Franklin, of course. And, you know, they went to him, they went to his place. Whereas, you know, I get it's been 50 years and, you know, people change, people grow. But the thing that made, I feel like made people want to watch the character of Leatherface wasn't really in this film. So what was the point? And while I really appreciated the bus scene, I felt it, I felt it could have been anyone doing it. It just didn't have that vibe of Gunnar Hansen. Like Hansen's version, Hansen's version, you know, it almost felt, more clumsy like he saw someone and then just smashed down and hoped for the best you know here it felt more like more like he held back for the right time like maybe apart from Dante you know that kind of felt more like the original but the rest of it was a bit more calculating like the way he kind of hid and jumped out on Richard the way he went on the bus and waited a few seconds as he looked at the others you know he it just didn't feel like Leatherface. I don't know. I just I just felt like it could have been anyone, like almost like a copycat, maybe a copycat, but not a very good one. 
But, you know, but as I said, we do have Sally. So that's something from the original. So as she arrives, it looks like, you know, she's going to save the two girls because they are the ones that have managed to get out of the bus, Lila and Melody. But she just ends up getting herself killed and they completely waste this moment as she finally has a chance to get a revenge after 50 years. You know, and she looks like such a badass and it looks like something magical is about to happen. But it just falls flat as she tries to get some sort of like recognition from Leatherface. I mean, what does she want? She's saying the names of her friends, getting him to remember. But he just looks, he has no idea. He just looks at her and he just, does he care? Does he have the ability to care? Does he have the ability to remember? You know, no, like they, I, they were nothing, you know, to him. They just happened to be the ones that come along. And she looks really upset. Like the whole 50 years has just been a waste of time. And he doesn't even try and kill her when he first sees her. He only goes for her when she shoots at him. And then, you know, the chainsaw, you know, lifts from the ground and goes right through her middle. But it doesn't even kill her. But this is another thing. Like, he's in hiding and he comes running out to her. Again, that doesn't... Biden is time. It's not Leatherface. And, you know, but she manages to survive, literally, a chainsaw going in her stomach, lifting her up the ground and going through her. Like, I mean, come on. She manages to survive... I mean, it's horror, like, we do have the ridiculous here, don't we? And she gives a gun to Lila, and the rest is basically a fight for the two sisters, you know, to get away. So it's a bit of rough and tumble here. And, you know, they get to leave. Well, so you think. So they think he's dead. Off they go. And the way the way they shoot these things, they do it in a way where you're not directly looking at the characters. So they get in this car, and it's a self-driving car. And there's, as, as Lila, she's in the driving seat, is looking at Melody. There's, there's too much focus on the window. So you see Melody, but there's too much focus on the window behind her. And you know that it's only a matter of time before he pops his head around. Because they always have to come back from one last scare, don't they? So he does, smashes, pulls her out. And, you know, she's, you can see in the rearview mirror. And he just basically saws her head off with a chainsaw. And he's kind of dangling for a little bit. And then he does, you know, the very few seconds iconic move of of Gunnar Hansen's one where he's waving the chainsaw around. But you, like I said, you could see it coming a mile off. And I think, I think given the chance and if they do follow this with another one, I do think Lila has the potential to be a final girl. I thought Melody would have because she kind of picked it up as well towards the end. I kind of, she started growing on me towards the end and, because when she started, she was a very selfish, very unpleasant character. And then I kind of, she did kind of grow on me a bit. So I would have been happy with either of these surviving. Now, Lila, you know, she has recently survived a school shooting. So I don't know, maybe this would just make her even more capable because she survived that and now she survived this. So it's, it's a lot to take. It's a lot to take for such a young girl. This film is, of course, a direct sequel to the 1974 original, which I didn't know, but was so far removed from the original with the lack of family, the character of Leatherface. It just didn't have the same feel of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And they should have just made it a remake and then they could have kind of done what they wanted with it, put their own spin on it. Like when you have a remake, you, know, you can kind of take a bit of another route with it. You know, what you're doing, you know, do your own style. Like, you know, I know not everyone's a big fan of it, but if you watch the Rob Zombie Halloween, it's very different to the original. You know, he took his Rob Zombie route and, you know, it still had Michael and that's fine, but he wasn't trying, I didn't feel like anyway, he was trying to be John Carpenter. But overall, this film was fine. You know, put it on, just let it wash over you. It is what it is. 
great movie to watch on a, with a hangover on a Sunday afternoon. It had potential. It just didn't get there. There were some great moments, some great kills, but the plot was a bit thin. But would I watch it again? Yes, I've already watched it twice and I will. I would watch it again. It wouldn't bother me. I think it's an easy film to watch. Uh, it just didn't have enough of that leather face that I appreciated from the first one in this. And But yep, that is my little horror movie review on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. And let me know what you think. Like, did you love it? Did you hate it? Did you just like me? Handy to watch. But thanks for listening. And don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and Podchaser. Really appreciate any reviews. um, And it helps the podcast up there a bit more. If you have any film suggestions that you'd like me to do based on true crime or paranormal or anything like that, or of course, a quick film review, do let me know. And for any updates behind the scenes, you can go to Instagram as Once Upon a Nightmare Podcast, Twitter as a Nightmare Pod, Facebook as Once Upon a Nightmare, and email me as Once Upon a Nightmare Pod at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening. Have a really good day and I will chat to you all again very soon.